The Press Gallery podcast is brought to you by Callaway. Last week, you heard my exciting story about being attacked by a kangaroo, chased rather, chased by a kangaroo, and how I thought the Chrome Soft might help me distract said kangaroo. Still don't know that it would work. However, I will tell you about the Chrome Soft. It's not just another tool ball. It's the golf ball that's changing how tool balls are made. When Callaway made a low compression, low spin tool ball, others said, you know, they could be onto something and they tried doing the same, but they can't. Because ChromeSoft is the only ball engineered with a graphene-infused dual soft-fast core for serious speed and unbelievable control around the greens. See for yourself where everyone is playing and loving ChromeSoft. Order the ball at changetheball at callawaygolf.ca. Do remember you can and should subscribe to the Press Gallery podcast. You can do that wherever you happen to podcast, whether it is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you're listening to this right now. Leave us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. Any questions, comments, or concerns, please reach out. I love hearing from you guys. Uh, My email is egraney at postmedia.com, or you can find me hanging out on Twitter at Emma L. Graney. I do also want to remind you guys that if you go to edmontonjournal.com slash podcasts right now, you can get a free 30-day subscription to the Edmonton Journal. We can read all of our fantastic journalism. Enjoy this week's episode. Hello and welcome to the Press Gallery, the Edmonton Journal's politics podcast. I am your host, Emma Graney. It is Friday, July 12, 2019, and this is the Stampede, Saskatoon and Sessions Settled edition. Bit of alliteration there for y'all. With me today, my fellow legislative reporter, Claire Clancy. How are you, mate? I'm great. It seems like summer outside, so it does, happy finally. finally. Hooray! Yeah. My tomato is going to be so Almost happy. at the end of July. And, mm, yeah, good finally. job, Edmonton. Keep it real. Keith Duran, political columnist. How are you, dude? I'm good. I'm a little late. I apologize. Listening to Justin Trudeau try to get to his point today on, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, was not happening. So, <laughs> so. <laughs> And our boss, Dave Breckenridge. How's it going? Good. You've got your travel mug again, the fancy schmancy sage ocean spray, whatever color <laughs> we decided it was. Seafoam ocean yeah. spray. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Emma, Emma, Emma. Get your color palette right, love. Okay, we're going to have got a few things to talk about today. Um, the Premier's meeting in Saskatoon this week, what Kenny brought to the table and why some of them were suddenly wearing cowboy hats this week. I'm going to be talking as well about some out-of-towners who've come along to Edmonton. We've already mentioned one of them, Justin Trudeau, the Prime Minister, and also Maxime Bernier. And finally, we will give a quick wrap of spring session, seeing as they were still banging on last week when we were recording the podcast. Let's start off with the Premier's meeting. That was pretty big news this week. Well-ish. I mean, Premier's meeting is one of those things, isn't it, where sometimes things happen, sometimes things don't. It's a whole lot of waiting around for seemingly not much sometimes. Um, Lots of fun there. Keith, anything out of here surprise you? Well, it's interesting because, I mean, I've covered a lot of these uh, from afar in the past and and they all tend to end the same. They they come out of it all smiling and saying, uh, we're going to work together on some big issues like hey, interprovincial trade barriers that never, ever seem to get anywhere. In fact, the, the barriers seem to get worse uh, and uh, and the premiers uh, never actually seem to do anything about it. But not this time. Uh, Jason Kenney, um, I think on the first day of the conference, came out and said, well, guess what? We're actually going to throw down the gauntlet. We are going to drop half our exceptions to the Canada Free Trade Agreement. 
And uh, hey, other premiers, if you want to follow suit, that would be great. Um, <laughs> but we're going to do it unilaterally at this point to uh, try and make a point. So uh, that was that was new. I hadn't seen that before. And uh, I think that was actually a hopefully a, a good move by Kenny, a bit risky because, of course, there is no requirement that the other provinces follow suit. Uh, um, but uh, I, I think to to change the inertia on this issue that has seen very little movement over the past years, past decades, I uh, got to try something different. So I actually think this is a good one from Jason Kenny. And of course, in Calgary, they showed up this week. The Conservative premiers had a bit of a Yahoo moment. Dave, what did you think they looked like in their cowboy hats? What do you think? What do you think of Rob Ford with his cowboy hat on? Oh, I don't know if Ford carries off the cowboy look very well, but no politician <laughs> really does. I can't think of a politician that has really kind of like rocked the Western wear, <laughs> fit the look very well. Unless we're talking about Southern Alberta ranchers who are already like of that. Ilk. It's yeah. just, it's one of those weird things like 50 ish weeks of the year, Calgary is, you know, suits and oil money and I don't know, and Nenshi. <laughs> and, and then everyone just like for two weeks plays costume party. Do you yeah. think politicians have to take uh, horse riding lessons in order to be able to ride their horses when they do during Stampede? Some of them do. Some, yeah. like I say, like it's Alberta, like some politicians are obviously have experience around horses and that sort of thing. And if and you so. are someone that coaches politicians on riding horses, I'd be very interested <laughs> in chatting with you. <laughs> I don't think any politician though will ever top Stephen Harper's um, hat and remember his leather kind of vest that he had on and a yeah. little oh, yeah. bolero tie many years ago. Yeah. Still my favorite politician playing dress-up photo, I think, ever. <laughs> <laughs> but it was interesting, though, that the particularly that it was the conservative kind of premiers. We had New Brunswick, we had Ontario, we had Alberta, we had Saskatchewan, Manitoba, I think. Manitoba oh, wasn't there. Wasn't there, right. No. So they just kind of had their – they had a little press conference. They hung out with each other at pancake breakfasts. Ford and Kenny were flipping pancakes together yep. in a show of – I don't know, pancakey solidarity. <laughs> Blaine Higgs from New Brunswick was yes. there as well. So, yeah, he was uh, seemed to be enjoying himself. Well, let's go to hurt for Kenny, you know, like because Stampede is the one thing where as, an, as a politician, you have to show up. Like you can't just not go to Stampede. And then the Premier's Conference is in Saskatoon halfway through the thing. <laughs> I don't know. Once you get for that first weekend of Stampede, you're kind of done with Stampede, <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah, he might actually be grateful to, for, for my <laughs> break from pancake flipping because he's going to have to do it in Edmonton again next week when the Stampede is over, right, for K-Days. So it's uh, it's a lot of pancake flipping this time of year. for <laughs> so. it's the pancake and barbecue circuit. Yeah. You yep. know, especially in the lead up to an election. That's the very important uh, summer <laughs> glad handing and spatula wielding. Yeah. Yeah, there's been many a columnist over the years who has made the comparison between pancake flipping and policy flipping, and uh, <laughs> there's uh, often been uh, announcements during Stampede of, of various policies that may have changed from an election platform or so on. Uh, I'm not sure we actually saw that uh, this week from Jason Kenney, although the you know the idea to drop the the exemptions to the free trade agreement I, I, that was not in the platform, so um, so that was unusual. There was the wrong tagline on the Premier's breakfast sign. He had Yeehaw instead of Yahoo, which uh. is a rookie mistake from Calgary Stampede. Clancy, this was an interesting news out of the Premier's meeting, though, with that letter, right? Well, yeah, Talk so basically um, the Premier's decided to send uh, joint letters to the leaders of uh, federal political parties in Canada asking for their 
policy ideas for things like immigration, um, reconciliation with indigenous peoples, uh, just the whole gauntlet of what you can um, kind of campaign on. And uh, the idea, I suppose, is that they're asking for responses back from the federal leaders um, so that voters will publicly kind of have a better idea of what they're campaigning on and then um, make decisions ahead of the polls. Uh, but yeah, that is apparently quite an unusual move to happen at a premier's meeting. I've never covered a premier's meeting, actually. Mm. So um, I'm assuming that when people say it's unusual, that's correct. <laughs> um, but journalists are told not to assume. So um, yeah, but I think I don't know if that's something you've seen before, Keith. But it, I think it. I mean, I guess we'll see what happens before the election. But it does seem like already people are starting to, um, you know, campaign and then we saw stuff with Andrew Shear and Maxine Bernier, which we'll talk about in a bit too. Yeah, it's. I think it is a bit unusual. I mean, a lot of these meetings don't take place in a, an election year with a federal election, so it, that is a bit uh, a bit unusual. But I mean, it was a pretty vaguely worded statement, right? About uh, there's a lot. We want the parties to spell out their policies on A, B, C, and D, which is it's is probably not controversial. I, I think what you're going to see now is uh, a lot of the individual premiers supplementing that with their own views of what those parties should be saying about those particular issues. And Jason Kenney's certainly already done some of that. Well, particularly conservative premiers, I don't think have made, and, and Jason Kenney, I know for a fact, has made no secret of wanting to get Andrew Shear elected and taking time in order to do that. And he said many, many times, I'm going to do all I can. And we as a UCP government are going to do all that we can to get Andrew Shear elected in the fall election, which has always kind of been an interesting, I don't know, an interesting thing for me because even even going into the election, he was saying this. And I remember asking him once, is it like, is that, do you think that's kosher to go into a provincial election partly on the platform that you're going to do everything you can in the federal election to get a conservative elected? And it's weird because Jason Kenney in particular straddles that line because yeah. he was a federal minister. So I think he is um, maybe unusually well positioned to campaign during a federal election for somebody. I don't think it would be a, uh, unexpected in a province like Quebec in, say, the mid-90s to talk about what you might want to get out of a federal election as well as a provincial election. You know, um, it, it does kind of come off as strange to hear an Alberta premier talking about that during a provincial election, looking ahead to the federal election. But at the same time, we're talking about issues that straddle both of these jurisdictions. The pipeline issue was one that has deep uh, impacts for Alberta and a lot of what's happening with it is in federal jurisdiction as well. So in some ways, it's not surprising that, that Jason Kenney was trying to get uh, the federal election on the agenda in the provincial election because he, you know, he's the one who says that, or he claimed that he was the one who's going to take on Justin Trudeau better than Rachel Notley would. Right. And yeah, I, that's exactly what I was about to say is during the election campaign, the rhetoric from Jason Kenney was very much like, we're going to stand up to Ottawa and get yeah. Albertans what they deserve. So, I mean, there's, I guess, no reason for that rhetoric to stop, um, given that a federal election is right around the corner. Except for the fact that if Justin Trudeau wins, Jason Kenney's still going to have to work with him. <laughs> that, yes, that is that true. That relationship could get even more awkward. If, if awkward? <laughs> they're best friends, aren't they? Yeah, they're matching uh, neck tattoos, I'm pretty sure. Indeed, yeah. yeah. Or maybe one of those little, did you guys ever have those little heart-shaped charms that you'd have with your best friend? I did oh, for a while, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had one of those with my best friend in, in primary school, Alicia Mines. Yeah, we had one of those. Shout out to Alicia. Yeah. I don't even know where she is these days. <laughs> I should look her up on Facebook yeah. or something. <laughs> oh, God, this was got really weird going from the premiers meeting to talking about 
heart braces with Alicia Mines. I don't know what's happening today. But we were talking there about Justin Trudeau. Of course, he's in town moving along. Good segue, guys. Well done. Yeah. Go team. <laughs> Very professional. <laughs> <laughs> so Justin Trudeau, of course, uh, is in town right now. He is still as we're recording. What is it the last two weeks as we've been recording, there's been people like talking about stuff that we <laughs> about things that we wanted to talk about as well. Last week it was the filibuster. This week it's Justin Trudeau is currently in Edmonton or just outside of Edmonton talking about TMX at Yeah, I'm not so, he's at I What think, is even happening right now? <laughs> yeah, I think he's at the uh, the start of the TMX yep. line. Yeah, and so I I was just before the the podcast the recording I was listening to him and I gave him a good I'd say 12 to 15 minutes of, of listening because he, he was 30 minutes late as well showing up to this. Uh, people were joking that maybe he got stopped by the 50th Street train in, <laughs> in Edmonton because <laughs> the federal government hasn't quite built the overpass for that yet. <laughs> um, but uh, in any case, I, I was waiting. Uh, get to the point. What's your big announcement on TMX? And unfortunately, there was nothing new in that first uh, 12 to 15 minutes. It was very much a rehash of the, you know, the uh, the process that they've taken and why it was necessary. And then a political attack on uh, Andrew Scheer and uh, on conservative leaders, although he didn't name them. I, I assume he meant Jason Kenney uh, would be included on that list that were basically that said they just want to ram pipelines through, that they don't want to consult with the indigenous communities. They don't care about the environment. And uh, therefore, uh, the courts will continue to block any project that they would try to put through in that manner. So it was very much a political argument. I suppose that's... Uh, uh, not surprising given that the election is around the corner, but uh, it seemed like he was trying to both have his prime minister's hat on as well as the the Liberal Party leader hat on uh, at the same time. And it was kind of a weird mix. And I still have no idea what the announcement is. <laughs> well, I just I just uh, leaped onto Twitter as, as you were chatting. <laughs> and I've just seen a tweet from Ryan Jesperson, who hosts a radio show here. Um, <laughs> What kind of a joke was that, Justin Trudeau? <laughs> All caps. You just insulted millions of Canadians and wasted 10 minutes of my valuable airtime with that bogus non-announcement. <laughs> that was nothing more than a BS stump speech. Warn me next time, Amajit <laughs> Sohi. That was ridiculous. Okay, so I missed nothing then. <laughs> no breaking Thanks, news Ryan. out of that. <laughs> So unlike politicians to do non-announcements. Absolutely. Well, I mean, yeah, so he was here last night, Thursday night as well, um, down in Millwoods, which is Amajit Sohi's stomping grounds, which was very much going to be, always going to be a political, like, rah, 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 liberals, yeah, election, you kind of announcement. I'm paraphrasing, but that's, I think, what we can all agree uh, happened <laughs> last night. <laughs> I was shocked to see Justin Trudeau win a tie and the jacket. Usually he's in the... yeah. That's very yeah. The, the no non tie, their sleeves rolled up, no jacket, getting right into it. But he looked a little formal. Um, I, you know, this close to an election, if you promise or if you suggest there's going to be some kind of announcement, you should show up with an announcement. It doesn't look good on, especially especially on the TMX pipeline, which Albertans have wait, been waiting for positive news on, and you know we're taking all these little steps forward. You can't just leave us hanging like that. We we want to know when is construction going to start. So if the if the PM's in town and he says he's going to show up and speak to workers and maybe make an announcement, people might assume, hey, we might get words on when shovels are going to be in the ground. No. <laughs> no. <Just> sorry. <laughs> well, I mean, in fairness, right now, apparently, Justin Trudeau is speaking with workers and then there might be another kind of media avail afterwards. So I don't know. 
Okay. At the time of this recording, (laughs) stay tuned. Yeah, it would seem odd that the announcement would come in the media scrum afterwards and not in the uh, in the speech and not in the speech Mm -hmm. itself that is being broadcast live on radio and television. But uh, anyway, that's that's how he rolls potentially. Yeah, (laughs) the the announcement down in Millwoods, obviously Amarjeet. So he is the lone Alberta cabinet minister for the Liberals, and so there is an interest in getting him reelected. I think he's in very very tough, uh, partly because of the file he's been on and the controversy around the pipeline uh, that he's kind of had to be the face of. Uh, it, it is a tough riding. He won that riding, I think, only by 90 votes or something mm-hmm. last time. And he's facing, again, Tim Upple there, who has uh, been an MP for that area in the past. So that that's going to be tough. So it's not a surprise to see Justin Trudeau here stumping for Amarjeet Sohi, because um, they would like to keep him in cabinet. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if Justin Trudeau goes down to Calgary next. Mm. Uh, they still have an MP there, um, elected two in the last election. It is the stampede right now. That is probably ground zero for uh, opposition to the liberals at the moment, I'd say. That's uh, a fair statement. Yeah. So be interesting to see if he shows his face in Calgary. He's been quite fond of coming to Edmonton. Uh, I guess credit to him there. But uh, Calgary's a, another story altogether. Well, I mean, he didn't show up. There was that G7 meeting, remember that, a couple of years ago, last year? And G7 was scheduled in the middle of Stampede and yeah, he wasn't right. going to come. And oh my Lord, Calgary yeah. was not impressed with that. Yeah. <laughs> they may not They may not want him there this time though. So who knows? Yeah. I am curious to see how many trips uh, Justin Trudeau does to Alberta between yeah. now and October. Yeah. Because we'll it's see. not... Yeah, you're right, because it's not a liberal... It's an uphill battle for them, so it's really how much time they want to spend campaigning somewhere where they're unlikely to win seats. Exactly. And, of course, we had Maxim Bernier here this week as well, not just in Edmonton. Well, he technically wasn't in Edmonton. Did a little Alberta tour. He did, yeah. So he was, was, of course, leader of the... What is the name of that Canadian People's Party of Canada? People's Party of Canada. The PPC. (laughs) So he he came to Calgary for Stampede. And he did some stuff down there. A lot of it was basically about announcing PPC candidates, uh, which was interesting. Um, So he went to Calgary, went to Fort McMurray, went to St. Albert, Sherwood Park, a couple other places as well, Cochrane. Grand Prairie. He's all over. And uh, basically he started to shop around this message saying, Jason Kenney, you supported the wrong leader for the conservatives. I think that kind of sums up what the, uh, yeah, what his speeches were about, right? Yeah, pretty much. Is Derek Fildebrand running for him? No, it doesn't seem to be. I mean, they've named not yet. Thir- they've <laughs> named uh, thirty of their thirty-four Alberta candidates, so there's still time, Derek. You can still Come on, get Derek, in there. Do it. Come on, po- Alberta politics without Derek Fildebrand is no politics at all. <laughs> yeah, the the names that uh, Maxime Bernier has picked so far do not are not noteworthy names. I mean, maybe they will be uh, at some point, but uh, I, I looked over the list. I didn't see anyone there that I recognized. Perhaps they're more of note in their particular communities, but. Uh, if he was looking for star name candidates, he didn't find them, uh, didn't find them at this point. So, um, but you know, it, you couldn't recall the name of the party. That's not a good sign. Um, that's probably <laughs> true of a lot of people. I, um, I just call them the 2.4% party at this point. Cause that's what they're, they're at at the polls. So they've, they've got a long way to go to be relevant in this election, but he's trying, he sure is trying. And every time he opens his mouth, something new comes out. That's a little controversial. So he gets some, let's see, gets some controversy and some news time that way. He's not ready for prime time as like, uh, maybe like he was a federal cabinet minister. He's well known in this country sure he himself he can handle the big stage but you're starting a new party from scratch you're you're essentially picking up uh the flank the right flank of the conservative party and a lot of people feel that the cpc is already fairly 
to the right of center. So what, who, who, and what are you grabbing? Um, really, really, really right. Yeah, and and to come into Alberta and say, uh, you know, Jason Kenny, you're stupid. You picked the you you backed the wrong horse. And, you know, get on with me. Don't you know Andrew Shears? Nobody. <laughs> Maybe not a winning I, argument in Alberta. The, I don't given, think it's a winning argument in Alberta. I think that not given I, the UCP's I'm, election results. I imagine the the premier and and former prime minister Stephen Harper are still fairly close, and I think you know Stephen Harper has uh, made no bones about his support for Andrew Scheer, and you know obviously that's the movement that they were all involved in. I don't see Jason Kenney breaking ranks with that. Well, also, I, I mean, I, I think there's an argument to be made that. Alberta has learned its lesson about what happens when you divide conservative movements. And uh, once they got back together in, on the provincial level uh, and on a federal level, for a thing, uh, frankly, for about 15 years ago, uh, they wound up back in government. Uh, and when you divide those forces, uh, they don't. So I, I think there will be a, uh, uh, a concern uh, among a lot of conservatives who may even respond to Maxime Bernier's message that they still won't you know, rest their vote with Maxime Bernier at this point because they just don't want to divide the vote. United we stand, divided we fall. That's the saying, isn't it? Something like that, yeah. <laughs> so, very, so much conviction there, guys. <laughs> All right, let's move over to a session wrap because... Because we probably should. <laughs> we probably should at some point wrap what happened in session. So this was a long session. Well... Wasn't super duper long. It was felt just long. Felt like it, it felt. It really was long, long in terms of the days. Like they they yeah. debated a lot of late nights and through the mornings and so on. It was only seven weeks in terms of duration, but it's just they packed those days. God, with, seven weeks is that all it was? It was, yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> I know it does feel a lot longer. There was no constituency break either. That was the other th- part that made it feel longer. Yeah, so I thirteen bills passed. Yeah, you write a great story on I this, Clancy. You, you can go look them up online. All the different bills. <laughs> you did a really good roundup. Some actually. fun things. Um, you know, they ranged from scrapping the carbon tax to um, the uh, red tape reduction legislation to um, the overtime pay rule. So just like a, a whole slew of, of bills were debated. Of course, the controversial bills that caused two filibusters were Bill 2, which was about the labor rules in terms of um, overtime pay, and then Bill 8, dubbed Bill Hate by the NDP, which we've talked about at length. Um, and that was related to education policies and changes that will happen to gay-straight alliances. Um, so I think, yeah, I mean, coming out of the session, I would say that the highlights are the two filibusters. There was also earplug gate, <laughs> according to the NDP. That's what they call it. Uh, that was a fun little they, interlude. They added gate to the end of that. It's I like, oh, that. guys. I think that's so funny. Um, you can add gate to anything. These days, yeah, <laughs> people do, don't they? Um, yeah, but obviously that refers to just the week of talking about uh, Jason Kenney handing out earplugs during debate on um, that was on debate on Bill Nine, oh, I think. I don't even know. It was overnight it during was, one of the it filibusters. Was it was Bill Nine, yeah. yeah. And, well, I mean, like that conversation didn't have to be a week long. If Jason Kenney had just said, "You know what? Tried to make a joke. Nah, wasn't a great joke," and then just left it at that, left it with his initial statement, which is what that said was basically it was a lighthearted attempt at humor to, you know, up caucus morale and then just move along. Yeah. That would have been it. That would have been it. We all would have moved on with our lives, et cetera. But instead he had to go change his story and then Jason Nixon had to say something different and then 
all these people were climbing tinnitus and then it was just it just it became turned a gong into show. a gong show and it did and it didn't have to like it there was no reason that it had to keep dragging on like that well yeah. last friday um the ndp and the ucp had their kind of like post-session wrap-up media availabilities. And I asked Mm. Jason Nixon just about that um, because when you look back on seven weeks, like there are a few things that kind of stand out and that was definitely one of them. Um, And Jason Nixon said uh, he doesn't think anyone would do that again at the UCP because he said it distracted from the work that they were doing, which I think is probably a fair assessment of what exactly happened with that situation because it really did become a big issue and it was supposed to be just a stunt from the looks of it. So. I looked a bit at sort of, well, what's the legacy of this session for uh, for Albertans, for the parties? I mean, the Conservatives packed a lot in there. The UCP, you know, they they got through the the, the bulk of their key campaign promises, right? They did, they did actually put it through. Also, a b- whole bunch of motions to change legislature rules, right? No more death thumping. And, and they, they're allowing abstentions now. And they set the groundwork for free votes and so on. Uh, they launched an inquiry. They uh, launched court cases. They uh, launched a review of age. Yes, uh, there's one coming on safe injection sites. So the, there was a lot. There was a lot of announcements, two or three every day in most cases. Uh, and so I, I think the legacy for the conservatives is going to be getting through those as well as probably the the carbon tax repeal and the corporate tax cut and starting that process as well. That's going to be the legacy for conservatives. I think for the NDP and for for others who oppose the UCP, the legacy is probably going to be Bill 8, uh, the, the changes to gay-straight alliances. There did seem to be a lot of angst over that. We'll see how it plays out. But that... Uh, that seemed uh, like a less necessary thing to do. <laughs> it wasn't in keeping with the UCP's mandate, even though they did promise it during the election. Um, that was, I think a lot of people felt that was maybe unnecessary to do. The other thing I think that the NDP uh, is really going to be focusing on is Bill 9, right? This is pushing back the arbitration dates. They also think that this is a laying the groundwork for a big fight with labor unions to potentially roll back wages this fall and a tough budget. So we'll we'll have to keep an eye on that. And honestly, we're we're going to have to keep an eye on some of these cabinet ministers. Uh, the, the NDP in particular, they found a favorite target in this session, and that was Adriana Lagrange, the education minister. And she really struggled at times to answer questions. She seemed lost at times, couldn't explain why some of these changes needed to be made to GSA policy. She threw a lot of word salad at journalists. Yeah, yeah, she really did. And she, you know, they they struggled on whether they were going to fund enrollment this fall at times. We still don't have all the details on that. So that she got scooped by her, yeah, by the finance little, minister about yeah, whether or not they would fund the uh, enrollment exactly. enrollment gap, and exactly. she was so disappointed when Tate well, announced that she probably wanted a piece of good news to <laughs> yeah. announce, right? And she didn't. She was denied that. So that's something that we're going to have to watch. She she wasn't uh, she wasn't strong this session. There's a few other ministers as well that really kind of struggled in front of the media. Um, Doug Schweitzer, the justice minister, had his moments as well. So I, I think those are those are things that uh, we'll be taking. a look at in the fall. And with Doug Schweitzer as well, um, I think, I mean, the issue of the out-of-town prosecutor is not going to go away. And now we've had two cabinet ministers uh, who've said they've been interviewed by the RCMP about those 2017 leadership race allegations. Um, so that's a story also that's not going to go away. I, I, I think aside from Bill 8 and Bill 9, uh, a lot of what people remember from this session are them or the UCP kind of picking off the low-hanging fruit from their platform. I think that, uh, you know, Keith mentioned that they may be telegraphing some bigger fights with their the public sector unions but i think the the 
the more memorable part, memorable parts of the UCP government's legacy or the legacy of the first term will probably come after August once we get the blue ribbon panel report once report once we see their first budget once we see how they plan because the big goal is to bring Alberta back into balance and pay off get our debt sorted out get our deficit sorted out and how they plan to do that I think will be a bigger legacy for them than anything they've done so far this first term. It's worth pointing out too that um, unions have already launched their court case against the government. I had a note from our court reporter, Johnny Wakefield, actually. Yes. Did we know this was happening? I'm like, yes, we did. We're, now it's happened. That's good. <laughs> like, I guess we'll keep following it as it as it ticks along. And of course, and that's a good point, Clancy, too, with the UCP leadership investigation. I mean, the special prosecutor appointed from Ontario, even though they still won't tell us who it is, but they won't tell us why they won't tell us who it is. It's all very strange. And that did kind of, it was hanging over the UCP, I would say, the entire spring session. I mean, the NDP started the session by just saying, yo, your whole party, like your party has been investigated for your leadership campaign. And then the UCP spun that to be, oh, this is fear and smear and we won the election. So <laughs> kind of thing. Um, More or less. Good you're summary. Par- you're paraphrasing <laughs> yes. a bit there, but yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and I mean, they start, you know, the NDP start off with questions and they could, and they kept on going with questions along that line throughout the entire session because of the fact it's not going away. And there are little developments, you know, things leak out about more people being questioned. There's rumors of people actually going to be facing charges pretty soon. I mean, who knows where this thing is going? And just uh, also just the succession of fines levied by the election commissioner yeah, that's consistently gone up. I think now it's over seventy thousand dollars in fines has been um, have been levied against uh, people don't who had donated to uh, the UCP leadership campaign, yeah. Jeff Calloway's campaign. So we'll just keep our eyes on all of that mm-hmm. as we head into the fall with budget. Woo. Good times. Mm. Okay, let's move to our regular segment, Good Stuff from the Gallery, in which we recommend things we have seen or read or listened to lately that we think you might also enjoy. Clancy, do you want to kick us off, mate? Yes, I'm going to recommend a story that I sent to you yesterday. I didn't I, read it yet, but it looks it amazing. It is so good because I just like was obsessed with it. It's really interesting. So it's um, a Huffington Post piece on their uh, kind of interactive media um, that they do Highline. And it's a long read called, the headline is, Behold the Millennial Nuns. And um, I'll just read the description. Great headline. And really cool art, actually, as well. It says, more and more young women are being called to the religious life after 50 straight years of decline. What on earth is going on? And it's just a really fascinating read about how um, more millennials uh, than have in the last few decades are trying to become Catholic nuns. Amazing. Uh, Keith? Uh, I'm uh, going to recommend a long read as well. Um, this was found on Hakai Magazine. I've never heard of it before, but it, uh, it was there on long reads by an author named Sarah Tori, and it's called, and I love this, Searching for Keith, uh, which is, <laughs> my mom, is it about you? Which, which my mom has never uh, never had to do. Um, so uh, it is uh, the story, it's sort of a cold case. Uh, it's about a Canadian uh, who is um, skilled in, in hostage negotiation, cold cases, uh, trying to track down what happened to uh, a man who disappeared off a, of a, a sailing vessel at some point in the past, and uh, just quite fascinating. Uh, him chasing clues and interviewing people and trying to figure out what happened to this 
this disappearance on the high seas. Quite, were there shenanigans? Uh, there, there were. There Ooh. were. There were shenanigans. So quite, quite interesting. And there is an audio version of it uh, on that site as well. Nice. Uh, I'm going to recommend a really interesting piece out of uh, on BBC News that I read this week. It's called "How Norway Turns Criminals into Good Neighbors," and it's a it's a look at the Norwegian prison system and how the country has managed to drop rates of recidivism really, really intensely um, and how basically they've, they have this system that is to spit out criminals who are now trained and have skill sets and are able to be actual members of society. And it's a really interesting read about what one country is doing to try and basically fix the, fix the justice system. Um, Dave? I'm going to recommend a piece that's a lot lighter than that. Um, <laughs> yesterday marked the 50th anniversary of the release of David Bowie's landmark single Space Oddity. I was going to say Space Odyssey, but that's not <laughs> the case. It's called Space Oddity at 50, the novelty song that became a cultural touchstone. It goes a bit into the history of uh, how the song came together, how it was seen as kind of lightweight, uh, even by Bowie's a longtime producer collaborator, Tony Visconti, and then how he kind of reckons with, reckoned with the legacy of the uh, song, which is one of my favorite songs. Legend. Oh, what a legend he was, eh? Let's all pause for a moment and remember David Bowie. Um, guys, thank you so much for joining me for another week of the Press Gallery. Claire Clancy, Keith Ryan, and Dave Breckenridge. We will, of course, be back again next week to chat about Alberta politics even more. Join us then, and thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>